Hello, and welcome to The Mirror Project. We're your hosts, Alexandra and Christine, and we are so glad you are joining us. Today, we'll be continuing our conversation from last week in the second part of this episode. We're so excited to welcome back our guest, Traveris. Again, if you're currently dealing with body image issues, weight issues, or eating disorders, these may be triggering conversations, and we completely understand if you want to skip this episode. However, if you are on the road to recovery or know someone who's struggling with any of these, we invite you into this conversation where we hope to create a safe space for open discourse, whether we disagree with each other's thoughts and opinions. We plan for this one to be a bit more uplifting. Before we dive into today's topic, like, subscribe, or follow us on your preferred listening platform. Go ahead, pause, and do it now before you forget. Don't worry, we won't get started without you. I want to welcome back our guest, Traveris. Born in the Spice Girl era, it's her mission to keep girl power alive. When she's not plotting on how to make the world a better place for women, she enjoys reading and writing. Welcome back, Traveris. Thank you for having me. Yes, welcome back. And so let's jump right into our first topic of today's episode. So I know we covered quite a lot of ground in the last episode, and today we wanted to move hopefully in a bit more upward trajectory, more hopeful. So and not starting there at the moment, we're going to talk about health and medical in the U.S. So what have been our experiences with Western medicine as it comes to weight and health and any kind of experiences that we've had and contradictions we've seen? So I think, Traveris, you had mentioned an interesting story about a locker room. You want to share more? Sure. So I read something once. I was in high school, so this was like years ago. We won't say how many years. But years ago, I was reading this thing, and they were saying that women were more comfortable in undressing in front of a man than they were undressing in front of other women. Like maybe in a locker room setting, maybe they had to change clothes. Maybe you're sleeping over at your friend's house, and it gets really awkward when you want to like put your shirt on or take your pants off. So I just found that very interesting that in media, women are supposed to be set for the male gaze, but we are actually more afraid to undress around our female counterparts. So what do you guys think about that? It's really interesting. I think back to when I was in school, I really didn't have any experience of like a locker room setting until I was in high school I was I'm just trying to think back on where my mind was at and you get into a locker room and you want to just get dressed as quick as you can you don't want anyone to look at you (laughs) and just move on with your day and at least for me freshman year was a year where my body weight fluctuated a lot like what I came into that year was different than what I ended that year so you know it's really interesting to think about. What about you, Alex? Yeah, I was thinking about, so I think I had locker rooms for physical education, I think starting as early as fifth year, right? So because before that, we would just do phys ed in our uniforms, went to a private school. So we had the lovely jumpers with the skirts and the awful primary colors. (laughs) Um, But fifth grade was the, the year that they're locker room. So you had a locker. And I remember this weird conversation with the female PE teacher because there was four of them, I think, four PE, and she was the only female. The others were male. And so she talked about, okay, so this is a year that many girls' bodies will start to be changing. It's important to use deodorant. like, And if you had some girls have their menstruation cycle, I suggest keeping stuff in your locker. And I remember phrasing this, so this is definitely one point to come back to about menstruation cycles, but she was always like, if I'm not around and you have to go to the bathroom or like be excused to take care of something and it's only one of the male teachers, to just say you have a, a women's issue or something. So I thought that was a weird, but then I remember in freshman year of high school, I got thinking about like the undressing in a room full of a lot of girls because there were so many groups at one time and we had swim that year. So like trying to shower in your bathing suit and then like quickly, <laughs> you know, was not. I don't remember it being uber fun. And I was more concerned about what other girls might have thought. But I would like to add like maybe a, p- a positive spin on that. Because I don't know. I was just thinking about locker room, but I forgot that I was in the military. So in boot camp, you like there's no you can be shy about it. You're li- literally sleeping in a room with 80 other women. I think it was 90. And so there's like a locker room style showering situation every day. And it was like 
they had about maybe six or seven shower heads. So six girls were under one shower head every time you shower. There was no such thing as you get a private shower. Like for eight weeks, you were showering with, I make a joke, like I've seen more naked women than most men. Like it was crazy. But it also taught me that like, that's the first place. I think I was 19 when I went to boot camp, maybe 20. I think that's the first place that I learned that everybody's body did not look the same. And I don't mean in like terms of like weight. I just meant in like the way like things were shaped. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, whoa, I've never seen that before. <laughs> like I didn't know a vagina could actually look like that. And that was just like, it kind of just made me think about, like I always thought like my body was how everybody's body looked. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a woman, that's a woman. So under her clothes, she looks like me. And that was not the case. And I just was like, Wow. So it kind of just made me think like in the in for this conversation that like we have this one size fits all, but mm -hmm. our bodies aren't even made the same in terms of our genitalia, like how we look in our genital areas. And it was wild because it's, it's also like kind of like you don't want to be a creep. So you're like trying to like not look at somebody like <laughs> showering or like I'm admiring this like girl. I'm like, oh, she looks really good. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> like it, it was a very awkward like situation but it just kind of made like the whole like we didn't we couldn't we didn't have a the luxury of being embarrassed mm -hmm. like you couldn't be yeah. embarrassed because you had to wash so you had to get in there so it was a very fun awkward weird experience so yeah yeah, yeah. you know it's, and you bring up the one size fits all which makes a great point into like when we go to doctor's office right or at least here it seems like okay if you don't fall within this prescribed area of this metric, whether it be weight or blood pressure, then you are too much or too little and you just need to fix it. Yeah. And it's like, well, that may not be healthy for my body. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> this whole one size fits all mentality is, I don't know, almost more damaging, I think, because you said like, you think, oh, this is a woman, I'm a woman, we'll have the same stuff. And you're like, well, that same stuff can look very different. Yeah. So why would we have that same approach when it comes to like medical advice? Right. Yeah. <laughs> From the, the jump, when I first started understanding what was happening when I'd go to like physicals or the doctor and they would constantly, you know, I was overweight as a kid, according to them, and constantly would talk about it. I remember the first time a diet was brought up to me, I was... I don't even think I was 10 years old, which, you know, starting that young and already telling a kid that you should start restricting what you eat, it's damaging, I think, more than a lot of people realize. And I always was so frustrated coming out of a doctor's appointment because they would tell me everything I was doing wrong, but that wouldn't help me understand how I can start making changes and doing what they think is right, which is I think an ass backwards way of thinking about a person's health because you're not the one living in my body, I am. So I should be dictating what is right for me. And yeah, I, I do really give a lot of credit to my mom who was always there for me whenever we went into those situations, really advocated for me before I was old enough to start doing that for myself and tried to help me as best she could. But it was just the nature and I think, I don't know, it's been a bit a minute since I've been in a doctor's office like as a teenager, but I don't know, I just, I don't know how much it's changed. I hope it has, but I don't know if it really has, which is sad. But also you bring up the D word diet mm. and that kind of like that dirty, dirty word. <laughs> yes, we will not speak of it, <laughs> but <laughs> I actually had an experience with that self-imposed. I put on like 10 pounds and I found out around Christmas and I'm like, oh, only on fruits and veggies. I can't eat anything else. And my girlfriend got involved and we found out that the whole just eating fruits and vegetables all day, I was nauseated. Mm -hmm. I can't do this. We got to try something else. And we got into fasting, the intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. So we did the 16-8, fast for 16 hours, eat for eight. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, this is, this is going to work. And last week, she brought something worse than the D word. She brought a scale into the home. 
And I was like, <laughs> like, and I instantly got on it and I had gained weight and my night was ruined. And I was yeah. just like, oh my God. And I'm like one o'clock in the morning, she's trying to sleep and I'm looking at my BMI. I'm like, oh my God, I'm overweight. And she's like, can you please go to sleep? It is 2 a.m. We'll talk about this later. I'm like, no, do you still love me? And it's just, it kind of like when you say they say diet and all these fasting and they never educate people on how they actually work or how the body works when you start to restrict food. Because with the fasting, yeah, you can fast. But when your body is able to eat, I was overeating right. and I was like, cause mm-hmm. I was, I was hungry. So mm-hmm. it was like, yeah. oh, I'm doing all these things. And my girlfriend was just like, Hey, when you get to the point to where you're hangry, your body is going to go into overdrive when mm-hmm. it's taken in calories. So it's just like, they say, oh, just get on a diet or, oh, restrict eating. But they don't, they don't really educate people on how that might be actually causing more problems or like putting you in a deeper hole mm-hmm. than you losing weight. It, it doesn't work like, oh, I you just eat less and then it's, it's okay. Like that doesn't work. Right. Because I also don't think medical doctors like MDs have as much information about nutrition and the body in terms of fueling it as they pretend to. So I remember being, like you said, Christine, oh, I didn't have support. They're just like, do this. And you're like, okay. So then they'll send you off to a nutritionist or a bariatric medicine, their department for bariatrics. And I'm like, okay, not really. So I have an experience with that in high school was recovering ish from my eating disorder. And I was seeing somebody who was a longtime family friend and who was a nutritionist. And it was kind of cool to learn more about body and how like BMI, which even my doctor has said recently that the BMI is total bullshit, so don't listen to that. And I was like, well, that's great that you still use that then. This nutritionist was wanted me to eat the way she thought was right and it versus what was right for me. So what she thought was healthy, what she thought was the right amount. And I think that just doesn't account for how individual, because you talked about diet. That's the first thing we do. So instead of the question is, how are you fueling your body? Have you tried putting more whole fruits and veg and quality proteins into it? It's like, no, just restrict. Well, restricting, like you said, can send your body into when you start to feel hungry, you overdo it because you're going, hey, you've been starving me. I have to hold on. So it's it's one of those things. It's like, why don't we take time to learn what's best for our body. So I think when you're, if you're looking for a nutritionist, it's finding one who will work with you and like what you can reasonably do, not what's good for them, but it's, it's so difficult. It's like, you have to play doctor for yourself and you're like, most doctors don't really appreciate when you go into the office and go, Hey, I think I have all this stuff and I'd like to talk about it. And they're like, you don't have a medical degree. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Right. But I'm living in my body. So I'm feeling everything I'm feeling and you don't have any right to tell me otherwise. (laughs) So I have a PhD of my own body. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, no, it's the world of nutrition, I think is still really understudied. And really, your genetics play a huge role in how your body will react to gaining or losing weight. And if, you know, the one thing I learned from my experience, like if if you restrict your body, your body is, yes, you're going to overeat, but your body will automatically start changing how it stores the food you're eating. Because if you're keeping, if you're depriving yourself, it's going to start storing that and you won't lose weight. You'll just gain it or stay consistent at whatever weight you're at. Yeah. Because I don't think our bodies have evolved past the, you know, mechanisms that we've had for thousands of years, um, many thousands of years, because it doesn't evolve that quickly the way our society has evolved around food and food production. So yeah, it is quite interesting. Can I take like a a little pivot? I mean, I hope I don't get too too far off the topic, but in my you know, my, you know, how I was saying like the weight thing and dieting and stuff. So I stopped fasting, but I realized that where I was gaining the weight, it was going in all the like right places. (laughs) So I have this, I have this like thing where it's either I like the number on the scale, but I don't like how I look. I don't like looking like a 15 year old girl Mm. below the waist, but 
when the scale says a number that I'm like, oh, this is a danger number. This is a panic number. I look a lot better. And I was, it made me think about this thing that I had read a couple of years ago about a model. She said she went to Italy, like she was shooting in Italy and working in Italy. And she said, I would just eat pasta every day. And she's like, I gained 15 pounds. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I had never felt like more than like of a woman than after that. And when I was thinking about this and being on hard on myself and not eating, I was like, but you like how you look like this. The only like only gripe you have about it, it's the number. I was like, you. it's not like you see the number and you're like, oh, I look gross. It's you like this. You feel good. You look good. And I was just like, I wonder a lot of times, is it? Like if we didn't have that number, but of course I'm not saying, you know, just do whatever and don't be healthy. I was reading, I was watching this thing the other day and she was like, your goal should be to be healthy, not skinny. And I was like, what if I could find a way to incorporate working out to where my body starts to build muscle and the way the number is going to be bigger because muscle weighs more, but I look better. I feel better. And I'm doing a lot better than I would if I was that. 10 pounds lighter. So I wonder is the problem with what we think about our weight versus like what that like our actual weight. I would agree with that. I mean, I think at some point, some numbers of weight do indicate a serious amount of unhealthiness, right? Because severe amounts of weight can cause impact on your heart. But I do agree with you in the sense of like, if a doctor's like, you need to lose 10 pounds, because this is the ideal number for everyone. But doesn't take into account what's healthy per person. And I think that you're right. It's finding out what's healthy. It's not let me get to this number. It's let me feel good in my body. Let me feel strong. Let me feel like I can move my body and my joints with ease. So I think that's a really good point to say. And it's I know that I've seen worked really hard on that shift in my own mentality because, you know, I think I mentioned last episode, I haven't stepped on the scale or I haven't looked at the number on the scale and well over a decade. And a couple of weeks ago, I started going to a, a new medical practice that's more integrative, holistic, kind of functional. And I saw the number on the checkout paperwork, right? And I was like, saw it. I was like, I am so unhappy with that number. Like, I am not happy about it. But my mindset didn't go back into where I was as a teenager of the immediate restrictiveness. Because I've worked on this for like six months mentally of my relationship to food and diet and going, okay, restricting has never worked for me. It doesn't sustain whatever version of healthy I'm trying to achieve. How do I do that? So I think a week ago, I stepped on the scale again, just to see how I was doing. And I actually looked at the number on the scale myself and I was like, holy crap. I mean, that was a huge step for me of not doing that myself in over 15, 10 years, not quite 15, and still going, I'm not happy with the number, but I'm happy with how the direction it's going and how I'm achieving that. Because it's like, part of me wants to go, oh my gosh, you have to go back down to like less than 1200 calories. And you're like, no, that's never worked. Focus on putting good quality foods in. And I think that's a huge part of it. It's focusing on the foods that we do eat, not, you know, necessarily cutting out things. And for some people to lose weight, they actually might need to consume more calories than they are, you know? And I think sometimes the medical professional is like, just lose weight. And I'm like, but how? <laughs> and then there's a whole nother experience, experience I've never lived before, which is people who struggle to gain weight, who mm-hmm. are underweight and struggle to, because their body just, I don't know the science behind it, but from my understanding, their body just burns whatever they put in and it really comes down to how you're fueling yourself and and for me mm-hmm. right now I see like every time you go to the grocery store there's the organic section and then there's the regular section and there's always a price difference but like I really wonder <laughs> that's just a word they're slapping on there I mean how do you really know if it's truly like what is organic <laughs> yeah well to have organic labeling you have to meet certain requirements in terms of growing processes but words like natural easy natural have bullshit meaning like it does not mean anything but for the term organic they have to have certain growing practices they can't use certain pesticides and stuff so there is a little bit of difference but you know it's still how we package and process our food it's also just a way to make people who can't afford to eat healthy, quote unquote, yeah. worse. And also our standards 
here in the U.S. versus standards around the world. And it's really like really hard for you to feel like you're set up for success. Interesting. I feel like what you said about like the, cause I'm, I'm totally with you on like the organic stuff. Like it's like, how do you know? But I always, I also think like people that buy that stuff, there, there has to be a, the placebo effect has to kick in because if mm-hmm. someone's telling you, okay, these $14 apples were grown by some man, like on this, just this, this pure soil, you're going to, you're going to want to think that, yeah, the $14 apples, because you're going you're gonna to have to, because that price difference on your shopping cart is going to make you feel like, no, we need the $14 apples. So I feel like you, I don't, I mean, unless you know, no, but I just feel like a lot of that is like marketing and like, yeah. if I tell you it's better, you'll, you'll believe it's better. It's kind of like anything else that we have in our society, like mm-hmm. the, the $50 yeah. makeup palette versus the wet and wild. Like, it's like, oh, this is better, but you know. I think it's a mix of fact of what goes into it but also quite some good marketing brains behind that right Mm -hmm. I mean think about it like everything we see on tv so yes there's quite a price association with organic and I think some of it is true but like you said some of it is just bullshit it's like if you can wash your vegetables really well you're probably going to wash off a lot of the waxes and stuff but I think we had mentioned in the last episode that it's almost when you start eating quote-unquote healthier more like just vegetables or meats or with less of the processed packaged goods of like cereals and whatnot, then people will think you're on a diet versus just eating mm-hmm. <laughs> and how that can be almost prohibitively expensive. So you're like, okay, so we're eating not so great stuff. Then our doctors are telling us to lose weight. So we go back for more medical stuff and we're just paying quite a lot for achieving nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as to Christine's point, yeah, there's quite a few like chemicals or pesticides that are not allowed in other countries or like Europe on their foods that we just are like, yeah, here, have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it won't hurt you, even though there's plenty of studies that show that they do. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's almost like, you know, the thought of, this just came to me like the idea of organic is just an excuse for them to slap a higher price tag on it. And that correlates, that was correlating to me like the pink tag that have, that we come in, mm. in contact with, with female products, you know, razors, menstruation pads and tampons and things like that. It's really just an ex- excuse for people to, you know, make you pay more. Charge one segment of the market yeah. more. Yeah. That's, that's messed up. <laughs> but you bring up a really good point about period stuff, right? And menstruation and the pink tax. I think maybe over the past, maybe not quite full year, I have definitely seen a lot more talk about women's menstruation cycles and the cycles of our hormones as it relates to our health. And why is it only now that we're really starting to more openly talk about how much this impacts our bodies and can affect our health, our hunger, anything. And it wasn't talked about when like we were teenagers and our bodies were changing. <laughs> but I do think the reason, one of the reasons I believe is, I don't, this isn't like factual. I think a lot of it is because the reason why they're just now telling us, or we're just getting to the point where we're like, oh, is because for so long people like they didn't have, like men thought like a woman bleeding for a week they thought we were like witches or like we were like (laughs) some like we were like they it was all these things I like read about like prehistoric or like they thought like it was something like the women were controlling the weather or they were making like crops die they really thought it was just some like sinister happening Mm -hmm. and I think they graduated from that to believe like oh this just happens to women but I still feel like it's very taboo because like so mm-hmm. I was reading something like three or four or five years ago and they were like, we're still hiding pads when we go to the bathroom. Everyone knows if you're like of a certain age, you have a period. And that happens mm-hmm. once, a, once a month for like a week. So why are we like, I have to take my makeup bag in the stall with me or I'll stuff it in my bra or like, because if I don't have pockets that day and we're doing mm-hmm. this around other women, it's mm-hmm. not like I'm like, this is a male bathroom and I'm like, oh, please don't see my, I call them diapers, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> But it's a thing that's dirty or nasty mm-hmm. or like, hey, take care of that in of private. Yeah. You know, so I think the reason why we're not getting, okay, this is affecting how you show up every day is because we've just gotten away from the idea that 
we're still kind of in the idea that, oh, it's dirty. Like, oh, you know, make sure you clean up after yourself or don't have a scent about it or like, you know, try to control your emotions. Or another thing, a running joke with men. Oh, you're really emotional today. Is it that time of the month? I remember reading something about Roseanne Parr said she's a lot of people hate their period, but she's, this is the only time of the month that I feel like I can totally be a total bitch. And (laughs) it's okay. Cause it's like, cause even for myself, sometimes when I'm on my period, I'm like, why am I crying about a craft cheese commercial? And then I'm like, oh yeah, that's why. So I I just feel like, I'm sorry, I went to took it too far, but I think we don't have all that information is because- no one's comfortable with women having periods or mm. women bleeding. Right. And that's a good point. I remember when I first started, like my mom was like, oh, you know, don't necessarily talk to your dad about that. It might make him uncomfortable. And it was just not, it was kind of taboo, like you said. And it's like, but why? Mm-hmm. Or then you see videos on Instagram of guys being so embarrassed to go to a market to get their girlfriend or sister or mom like pads and tampons. And you're like, it's a natural part of life, people. You wouldn't be here if a woman didn't have that. Exactly. (laughs) So I think I'm definitely coming, becoming more comfortable with talking about it more openly because it's a part of our bodies. It's a part of our health. I definitely hit that back in high school. I was like, why the heck do I have to be delicate around this topic? No, I have to experience it. So everybody else does. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so you will share in the experience with me. But, you know, I grew up with sisters. So like in my household, there was four women who eventually were having periods. So my dad just sort of was like, all right, this is just, this is part of life. And I really appreciate how supportive he was you know when he would go to the grocery store it was on the list he was like all right which product do you like best and was happy to buy it (laughs) and not be weird about it the only reason why this taboo still exists is because people are perpetuating this idea of like oh let's not talk Mm -hmm. about it that's it's weird or uncomfortable and it just doesn't have to be that case this is how our bodies work but I also feel like like to Alexander's point Alexander's point we're not really talking about what the menstruation cycle does to a woman because like up until recently I mean I didn't really realize that you're just one week that wasn't the only thing that was going on like this one this I was actually a male he was like anyone that's dated or lived with a woman should know that her body is in under constant change like this woman I was watching this really cool video about this woman and how she divided the woman a woman goes I don't know if you sent this to me Alexandra a woman goes through no I don't think so she goes through four seasons every month mm-hmm. so it's like the winter the fall the, mm-hmm. the summer and when I start to think about it like that each week is a different season for you because I was watching a video the other week about this woman says all this hustle culture hustle culture and manifest this and work hard and she's like that's a very masculine way of looking at it because she's like, our bodies do not operate in the way a, a man can. He's nothing's going to change in a man's body mm-hmm. in the month that he's living. Like we're going to go through so <laughs> many changes yep. and our energy levels are different. Our emotional levels are different. Like it's just so many things that are going on. And I, and I've just recently learned that. And also a woman told me that our periods kind of like change every five years. So the way that I would menstruate in high school it was easy for me. I popped one Advil and I could run a marathon. I'm fine. Now I'm praying. I call them the blood goddesses. I'm like, please, (laughs) please have mercy on my soul. (laughs) What did I ever do to you? And just sometimes just, just the idea of just getting out of my bed and walking to the kitchen is it's, and my body's changed into that. I've, I've never had that problem before. So it's just like the evolution of a woman. I think it's actually beautiful, but it's also, it is. We're not getting education on it, but we're also, it also has taught me though, to be more in tune with my body and listen to more of what she is saying to me Mm -hmm. because they always give us cues, but it's like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think we've been taught to ignore it for so long or just like, this is just what you got to do. So get through it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we should do that, you know? No. Well, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I think you either shared that video with me or we had talked about seeing something similar and 
honestly, like you said, going through different cycles for different things every week, I had no idea until about a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I knew about bleeding and ovulation, knew that. I didn't know there was follicular phase and luteal phase. I was like, what the fuck are these terms? <laughs> so, you know, you know, as a woman, I'm just discovering this about my body and I'm like, this seems a little messed up. But like you said, it's getting more in tune with our body. And I think that kind of goes back to our health, right? How we eat, how much we eat, what we eat how much we work out, what we do with our body. I think learning to better listen to the cues our bodies are giving us will really probably tell us more about Mm -hmm. how to be healthiest for Mm ourselves than maybe a doctor. And I'm not talking about like if your cues are so messed up because you can't hear them anymore and that's a lot of work, that's a separate issue. That's like definitely work on that. But if you are pretty in tune with your body, it'll tell you exactly what it needs. I need more water. I need meat. I need bless me any more veg so i think that makes yeah. a good point about listening to our bodies mm-hmm. and also just de- i don't know who, who we can demand but this from but the <laughs> medical the medical world as a whole has not properly studied women's bodies since the beginning and i i saw something recently that it was only last year that companies started testing period products mm-hmm. with actual blood <laughs> which is wild to me that here in 2023 we're only we're only just now properly testing these products that we've been forcing not forced we've been giving women for decades maybe centuries <laughs> the heck not properly <laughs> equipped like testing this stuff and just saying all right this will do it works that's <laughs> why so i think i'm a fan of my my period cup because even though it's sometimes a bitch and a half to get out, you know, at least it's it just it captures it and then I can deal with it. Oh, you, you use the cup? I've never used that. Is that like your out of all the products you use, has that been because I don't know a lot of people that use it. Has it been your favorite? I've really hated pads ever since I was a teenager. I will do anything to avoid a pad. It just I don't like feeling like you said, a diaper in my underwear. Like I just, you know, I just don't, that's not for me. So as soon as I learned to use tampons, I was like, this is for me. So I still have, I carry a couple tampons around just in case of an emergency. And like, I don't have my cup with me, but I love the cup also because you have to change your pad and your tampon so frequently. I forget, I'm very, knock on wood, grateful that I never got toxic sock syndrome. Toxic toxic shock syndrome because I would totally leave it in longer than the recommended six to four, four to six hours. About hour 10, I was like, oh shit, I should go change my tampon. So I do like that the cup you can leave in for 12 hours and it's fairly easy, particularly when you're traveling, you don't have to carry like five or six pads and your tampons. It's more environmental, which I like. Weird fact, totally random, but I recently learned this week that there's a company that will take use menstrual products like pads and I think maybe tampons and somehow clean and cycle them as like a circular economy type no circular yes economy to reduce recycle reuse limit waste going into the ground don't know how it works other than that it exists and I was like this is so cool <laughs> so like a reusable wow. pad on that note like a reusable pad? No, oh, no, no. It was just they take used menstrual products and figure out a way to clean them, strip them down to products and turn it into something else. Oh. Oh, yeah. Because I was about to be like, that is beyond nasty. But okay, now <laughs> that makes me feel. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, oh, I'm never buying a pad again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, isn't that what like Thinks is? Like Thinks and some of the other period underwear well, is like more reusable. I yeah. mean, there are reusable pads out there that you just mm-hmm. throw into the washing machine. <laughs> True. I oh, mean, wow, I didn't know that. Oh, cool. It's finding what works for you. And it's, again, not one size fits all. So Mm-mm. we just now need to make it more accessible. all women (laughs) all around the world yes if we can find i know that there is some group it was a collaboration between brands like salt and a couple other that if you submit like your receipts for period products or shaving they'll send you back the the amount of pink tax that's on Mm. that so if we'll find that we'll definitely put that in our show notes for our female listeners because i thought that was really cool that this kind of collective of companies that care about like that i don't want to say injustice but discrepancy between the value that men and women pay for products is willing to send that money back to women who buy 
period products. And and not only just like products, but just no one told me being a woman was so expensive. Like just aside from like period <laughs> products, but just if you want to look like a just a decent mm-hmm. looking woman, the bills that you have mm-hmm. just waxing. I get my hair done every month. Oh. It's just men can get like a haircut and then that's it. And and then that's all. I'm just like, why is it so ex- no one and no one sat me down as a kid and was like, okay, <laughs> these are the things that you're gonna have to do. And like sometimes you feel like, oh, these are extras, but sometimes I'm like, this isn't an extra thing. And and can we talk about how people use the word self-care? Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you, honey. A pedicure to me is, there's nothing, like, can we talk about how torturous a a pedicure is? First of all, you're sitting there for, I remember in high school, like, it was a fun thing. You're going to prom Mm -hmm. or your mom, like, let you get your nails done. Now, an adult woman with a full-time job and, like, other things to do, I'm like, ma'am, please slap the paint on, let me go. And then they're like, would you like extra lotion i'm like listen let's go like i gotta go and you're tickling me and i'm uncomfortable but i don't want to say anything because this is your job the things that women have to go through and then you pay for these things and they're it's just like why why didn't anyone tell me you can easily spend 200 to 300 dollars a month Mm -hmm. just in grooming because i don't think it's like self-care it's not like a thing i'm like oh i feel great i'm at a spa like some woman is like slowly i'm whispering manifestations in my ear no it's like no you're removing extra hair off my body and it hurts so bad but i have to get this off because they're gonna look at me funny when my legs are hairy it's like it's just so much oh the judgment i have about myself of what other people will think like I haven't waxed my underarms in a long time, but I try to. And the, the level you have to let the hair grow out to for them to wax. Like, I was so embarrassed when I would go, I'm like, I know this is what I'm here for, but please don't judge me for the hair that's growing. I would always give my wax people a disclaimer. I'm like, okay, it's, you know, it's been a long time. Okay. So don't, <laughs> it's, you can probably braid this hair if you want it to. Like, like please don't say anything. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I mean, I can relate that to going back to like a, a doctor for my physical. I think I had to go get, you know, the what every other year thing, a pap smear mm-hmm. for women. And I was like, I'm so sorry. My feet kind of stink. And I'm worried that my vagina kind of smells because it's been at the end of the day. And I definitely just worked out. So here we are. I apologize. And she was like, I'm a doctor you're fine. And I'm still going. And I'm so embarrassed about my body because like we've said, we've seen all these things that like, you have to look good. You have to smell pretty. You can't be just you. And I'm like, the fact, I think it's so funny. Like the, I was reading this meme. I think I said this on the last one. I can't remember, but like when you have to undress for your pap smear and they give you like the little 10 seconds to like take off everything and get under the, the little paper sheet. And it's like this girl is like, I always like rush so my doctor won't see me naked right before she has to see me naked. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, why am I running to this? And this lady's just going to pull the sheet up and, yes. and, and do and look at it anyway. Oh my gosh. It's like when you That's hear the so knock funny. on the door, you're like, I'm not ready. One second. It's almost like there should be a like a, a light that sits outside the door that you flick on when you're you're not when ready. You're ready. Like, <laughs> or yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, okay, you can come in. <laughs> but to, to what you were saying, Alexander, about like you were giving like your doctor disclaimer, and it was funny. Someone interviewed a gynecologist, and they were like, "How does it feel that you have to look at vaginas all day?" And she's like, "You know what? I'm just looking at different haircuts." <laughs> that's great (laughs) oh one time I went to the to get a pap and the woman's like who's your wax lady she did a phenomenal job I was like I'll let Carly know she's like that's probably one of my favorite compliments I was like yeah my gynecologist thinks you're really good at your job by the way (laughs) she's like oh really I'm like yeah (laughs) preferred by gynecologist like could you imagine that that is like your tagline if you're a waxer you're like the preferred specialist by by gynecologist you need to put that on your website (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny okay so i know that we've briefly touched on some of this of like what we're what we're hoping will change in the future but do you guys have any like ideas of how something one thing or many things could change to get better at least continue on this trajectory 
I think the first thing is how we were saying, let's not talk about these topics like they're taboo. Let's just normalize it. This is just mm-hmm. our lived experiences as women and it's all different, but it connects us because our bodies do function similarly. They just look different or they, you know, things happen slightly differently and just keep talking about it. I think that's the first mm-hmm. step. So Alexander, your question is like, how, how do you think we think things can change about like women and how they show up with their weight? Yeah. Health, medical, anything. What do we want to see change going forward? I think it's really helpful to see people in media that Mm. are not like the Barbies and they're actually happy. Because I think we do have a market for women who are like, they don't, they're not the typical skinny girl, but I think a lot of it is really rehearsed and that's also marketing. But I think when we, when I see a woman then I'm like, no, I can tell she's very comfortable in her body Mm -hmm. and she's not in any way in alignment with beauty standards. That makes me feel really good. Even if I don't look like the woman, even if it's not a woman that I'm like, oh, you look like me. So I'm, it could just be someone that I'm like, wow, she's very comfortable. I think just confidence at any shape or size to me just it just kind of inspires me to feel that way about myself. So I think just more mm-hmm. examples of that around. I agree. I'd also like to start looking at people as a whole person and how different parts of us interact, right? Because you think about, like, if I go to a doctor, you go to this doctor for this thing. You go to that doctor for your vagina. You go to this doctor just for your skin. And you go see this person for your eyes. Like, And certain people will only look at certain parts of you, but how integral is what we eat to our health and how integral is how we think about food to our own health. So I don't know. I think I'd like to see more of treating people, the whole being, not just a specific part. Traveris, your point about confidence, I think truly understanding that confidence isn't a destination and that it'll fluctuate and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And we can take turns being that example for people around us and knowing that, you know, what some one day I can be that for you and the next day you can be that for me. And just truly, like Alexandra said, looking at the whole person. And when it comes to people you follow on social media or people you see on TV or in movies, it's okay if you start following someone and you over time realize that you don't really vibe with them anymore or they're not they're not servicing you in the way that you need that you can unfollow or you can like move on and just continue to you know search for people who truly make you feel seen and inspire you and it's not necessarily like i think a lot of people think oh if you unfollow there's something wrong with that person no it's just it's not the right space for me anymore and that's okay Mm -hmm. that's that's growth yes that brings up a really good point of like people who i used to follow in college like health fitness pages it was all girls who were very skinny looked very fit and i'm like who i follow now very different right like very different and even there's people i follow today that they'll say a lot of stuff i vibe with and i'm like yeah i would agree and then they'll say other things i'm like but not that. But it's not like worth an unfollow yet. But there's been some people that they've changed, they've grown. And that's not the way that I've grown. Like Christine was saying, you can just go, hey, I'm just gonna shift this out of my space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also would like to see a space for women or more messaging about women getting older. Like you were talking about what you might have like followed in the past. Yeah, that might have mm-hmm. worked for 21 year old you but you as an older like the differences between your early 20s and your late latter 20s or it's two different Mm -hmm. like I was I thought I was in two different decades and you are you know turn turn (laughs) and turning 30 was just like but I keep getting this messaging that a woman's good years are going to be over your beauty is going to fade and I just keep hearing that and I have so much pushback on that because I'm like if you're telling girls that their good years are behind them at 30. Like, think about how young 30, I mean, yeah. Maybe that next year. (laughs) Yeah, and God bless you. You're going to feel so great. The globe is going to be wonderful. I'm ready. 30 is going to be, 30 is going to be the best thing that's ever happened to you. I tell you this. But I just was like, why would you tell somebody that your best years are gone? And because I feel like, to be honest, the 20s, that's like the worst decade anyone can live through. Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) Like, I'm like, and then you're supposed to tell me, 
that's when I was going to be at my peak. But I felt like the older I get, the better I get. I kind of have this analogy in my head about 30 is when I start to turn. I, I started my wine era. Like 20, <laughs> 20 was very much juice. But <laughs> if you think about it, juice is like really easy to come by. It's not going to be that much of a difference between a $6 juice and a a one dollar, like a, a dollar, a Minute Maid carton of like that costs two dollars. But if you get a thirty dollar bottle of wine, it's going to taste different from the barefoot five dollar wine. So I was just like, why is this era of me becoming more of who I am, more of a woman, more confident, more I feel more beautiful? Why is that what they're telling us? It's like, oh no, you got five good years, you know, wrap it up, pack it up. But then they don't only say that. They're like, oh, men get better. Men get better with age. Like they, they, they're gonna look good in like 10, 15 years. So mm. I'm like, so there, there's no messaging like that for women. So I'm just gonna yeah. turn into a hobbit or like Quasimodo. How? Why? <laughs> why is that the messaging for us? I need to hear more positive. You're gonna grow more into a woman. You're gonna be more of who you are. You're gonna understand yourself more. You're because I think so many good things happen with age. You know. So yeah, absolutely. It's like, hey, you've hit that yogurt expiration date. Now you've curdled. <laughs> Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> to your point, Navaris, you, when you were saying I want to see more women like that, it made me think of this woman I do follow on Instagram, and her name is Lynn Shabinsky. I hope I said that correctly. And her handle is White Hair Wisdom, mm-hmm. and she's an older woman and does her makeup, her like get ready with me like dresses, and I was like, this, I love this because this isn't what most people would say is a female beauty standard. And like you said, does not glorify getting older, but her account really does like, hey, getting older is beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> Being older with long white hair. And I still, you know, you still do the things that you do. <laughs> so I love her. If you haven't seen her, check her out. She's cool. Ooh, that's awesome. And sort of on the topic of social media, who are some people that you guys follow now, days? Where, where has the shift gone and why do you like them? Why don't you start first? I feel like I'm kind of phasing out of my Instagram um, era. I feel like it's getting so overrun with the TikTok. The Gen Zs are, they're kind of pushing us out of the, the club. So I think the things that I used to like go after or look at, they're kind of getting washed out or like put to the bottom. Mm-hmm. But I liked, I follow Ashley Graham. Um, she was, I think, I don't, she was, she like the first plus, I don't know. She's just amazing. Cause mm-hmm. I think one time, like she's over, she set her weight like she's like 220 or something. And she's just to me, like she's just a beautiful woman. Like I don't even think I would like want to see her in a, a smaller body. Like yeah. I just think that she's just very inspiring because she she just like broke down so many walls. Bar- Barbie Ferreira, I think mm-hmm. that's how you say it. She was on Euphoria and she even on her character in Euphoria, I think they tried to cast her as the Duff. And it just like she was to me one of the most like I watched for her storyline because she I had never seen a woman that what like had like she was the bigger friend, but she was totally like liberated in who she was. And it kind of looks like that in her. Well, it looks like that in her real life. Like that wasn't a fake person. It was very much so who she is. Mm-hmm. And I like seeing stuff like that. So those are the people that I follow. I try to stay off of IG because it can get to a point where you're starting to compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. So. I try to just, you know, find my funny things, like my little, you know, something that'll make me laugh and then I'm I'm off. But those are good people to follow. Yeah. Christy, what about you? Yeah. So like Traveris, <laughs> Ashley Graham was the first person that I really, who I guess we could say is a contemporary of ours. She's maybe, I don't know, 10 years older, who I saw looked like me, who was having this success, who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and was, you know, just embracing herself and her body and showing the world that, you know, this is beautiful too. So she was like the first person that really caught my attention back when I was in high school, college. But since then, people on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, things like that, that I find community with and see myself in. And I'll just name a couple. I've, I found Emma Arletta this past year. She's beautiful, plus size influencer who's started modeling. And she you can see her now on like Fabletics or she's doing these campaigns with these designer brands and things like that. And it's just, 
is so exciting to see that. Another one, if you want to laugh, Remy Jo Bader. She, New York-based, she's big on TikTok. She's a bigger girl who does these, like, realistic hauls of these brands that don't necessarily run bigger size so she'll do like a realistic Zara haul and and she her whole approach to it it's just is to make fun and make light of it but also just you know embracing who she is and being honest and genuine with her audience so yeah those are a couple that I really have gravitated towards within the last year how about you, Alexandra? So I think I tried to pick a couple of different when we were talking about preparing for this episode. So two people I really like are Danae Mercer Ritchie and Sarah Nicole Landry. Danae, she really draws attention to how social media can be changed and influenced, how easy it is to edit pictures and pose. So I like how she exposes a lot and she'll go, hey, this is my body this second. And now I look like an Instagram model fitness person just by posing your body or lighting so I kind of like that and Olivia Neville she is also good she'll talk kind of about the mental headspace of how our bodies change and I don't look like you know the Instagram model but in this moment I do and then I'm natural this way or how your body fluctuates throughout the day some fitness people I like now that I didn't would not have been drawn towards in the past are Sarah Catterson, Abby Pollock, and Maddie, because they really do talk about fitness and the different parts of it. And whether or not you agree with everything, I do like that it's much more open. I would say Sarah Catterson is definitely a coach focused more on approach to weight loss. And I like Abby Pollock because I've seen through some of her YouTube videos and Instagram content, how over from college, some of it's changed, which is kind of cool to see somebody's journey and still align with it. But I know that there's other male coaches out there who are good with women's fitness that I do follow, but I wanted to focus mostly on female people I follow. So those are kind of the people I've been gravitating towards recently. And then, of course, Lynn Shabinsky, the White Hair Wisdom account. She's really cool because I would agree with Traveris. I'd like to see more of that. The I think there was a picture once that was like, there's nothing as beautiful as getting older or something. And if I find it, I'll I'll have to share it with you guys because I should almost make it my phone wallpaper because it is talks about the beauty of getting older, which is awesome. Well, I think that's a lovely note to end on. Is there any other points that either of you want to share or no? I think we've really run a marathon in today's (laughs) episode. Yeah, today's episode, these two episodes, like boy oh boy and there's still more to talk about so we'll probably revisit this conversation again but I wanted to just thank you all for joining us for this two-part conversation and thank you to our guest Traveris for joining us we covered a lot of ground with these two episodes and we look forward to hearing from you we would love to hear what your lived experiences have been you can share with us in the comments or on our social media hope you had a lovely February and we'll catch you next time Enjoying the conversations we're having and the topics we're discussing? Consider supporting us through our Buy Us a Coffee page. We greatly appreciate any help in creating this podcast we love so much. Link in our show notes and link tree. Before we end, don't forget to like, subscribe, or follow us on your preferred listening platform, and we'll catch you next time.